Welcome to Making Footprints, Not Blueprints, a regular podcast about matters philosophical and religious. My name is Andrew James Brown, and despite being myself an atheistically inclined free thinker, I'm also the minister to the Unitarian Church in the city of Cambridge, UK. The title of this podcast is borrowed from the philosopher Herbert Fingeret, who, in his book, The Self in Transformation, offered us studies that were outcomes rather than realised objectives, which were offered to the reader as an encouragement to make intellectual footprints, not blueprints. This podcast tries to proceed in a similar fashion and takes seriously an insight of the poet A.R. Ammons, who felt that true human freedom only comes when we have understood that full scope always eludes our grasp, that there is no finality of vision, that we have perceived nothing completely, and that, therefore, and thankfully, tomorrow a new walk is a new walk. Welcome to this week's New Walk. How Nietzsche Helps Us Better Prepare to Celebrate Advent and Christmas or the bloom and magic of things that are nearest. The four-and-a-half-century-old Unitarian tradition to which I belong has, at times, consciously been able to understand itself as attempting to be a church of the free spirit. And we, as individual people, have seen ourselves as attempting to become brothers and sisters of the free spirit. For example... The founder of the modern religious society of Czech Unitarians, Norbert Fabian Čapek, he was born in 1870 and died in 1942, as Čapek said of its building in Prague on 8 Karlova Street, quote, The house is of great historical value. In 1404 it was occupied by a sort of liberal Christian body. They called themselves Brethren and Sisters of the Free Spirit. They were accused of laying more stress on a Christian life than articles of faith. They believed more in the inner light than the letter of the Bible. Further, they did not believe in the Trinity and were accused of pantheistic tendencies. I regard these people as the first Czech Unitarians. In these disorientating and unhealthy times, This identification as a church, or simply a brotherhood and sisterhood of the free spirit, is something to which I often wish we could consciously return, because I think it may help us to find a new way forward into a certain kind of healthy, this-worldly living, the possibility of which this podcast will conclude. But as a liberal religious tradition, we have rarely articulated, either to ourselves or to others, any relatively clear basic process through which a person needs to go in order to become a genuinely free spirit. Well, in this second podcast during the season of Advent, I want to remind you that the 19th century philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche offered us one such process, a process which comes in four phases. We start with one, the comfort found at the family hearth. Drawing on Nietzsche's book, Human All Too Human, which was subtitled A Book for Free Spirits, the philosopher Gordon Bairn notes that, quote, 
Those who will become free spirits do not begin by being sick, but by being healthy. They are in fact bound by what fetters fastest. By their dutiful reverence for their elders, their country, their teachers, and for the holy place where they learned to worship. They are fettered by all those ideals that warm one to the family hearth. These ideals are normally taken to be of the highest value, and so Nietzsche can write of those who will be free spirits that their highest moments themselves will fetter them the fastest, lay upon them the most enduring obligations. Unquote. Advent and Christmas is a season full of many things we have felt to be of the highest value and which have been celebrated before the family hearth or its modern equivalents, the gas or electric fire. This hearth is the holy place where many of us first learnt to worship, a place where God, or at least the good, was perceived to be with us. God with us is, by the way, the meaning of the Hebrew title Emmanuel that's given to Jesus and most memorably repeated in the well-known carol O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Before this hearth, family and friends still gather to exchange gifts, drink and to eat in convivial ways at the darkest time of the year. And for many of us, Advent and Christmas has been one of our life's highest moments, especially when we were children. This is, of course, one of the reasons why it fetters us the fastest, that is to say, keeps us captive, and lays upon us an enduring obligation not to let this traditional way of believing and doing things go. But so much has happened in our own lives and culture over the last two centuries, which, too, has ensured that we, our hearths and our holy festival, have succumbed to the sickness of nihilism, in which there has been a hateful assault on everything that seemed so comforting. It comes upon most of us, at one time or another, that this festival is now empty, merely pasteboard and filigree. The natural sciences and philosophy have quietly been at work persuading many, if not most of us, that the god or gods of old are mere illusions. Historical critical research has persuaded us that the Christmas stories contain not neutral objective historical facts, but are instead creative, uneven and inconsistent human myths and legends. The Industrial Revolution and the rise of capitalism, and more recently neoliberalism, have created pressures that have contributed greatly to the fracturing of extended family networks, and have simultaneously turned the equal and free exchange of modest gifts into a multi-billion pound industry concerned not with exchange, but only with unequal competition for market share and profit. Also, much of the food and drink we consume in this season has been affected in the same way, and today we share together not so much the fruits of local fields tended by local farmers, but the products of globalised and highly mechanised factory farms whose workers and livestock are utterly unknown to us and about whose welfare we often care little or nothing. All in all, if you're anything like me, these things, and many more besides, have often meant that I've expended most of my energy not in preparing happily for Christmas, 
but in warding it off until the very last minute, when, utterly exhausted by the defensive effort, I have finally given in to the pressure and spent the 24 hours of Christmas Day forced to pretend that all is well and that the old hearth burns as brightly, warmly and meaningfully as it once did. Sometimes it has felt if this sickness were going to be one unto death, but a real hope, an educated hope, has always remained alive deep in my being that there might, just, be a way to move beyond this awful state of affairs to a much better state of being. Thanks to Nietzsche, I have discovered that, if a person is able to survive the long, deep and painful nihilistic assault, then, miracle of miracles, it becomes possible, three, for us to begin to convalesce. This period of convalescence can be divided into two. The first convalescence is a cool one, one in which Nietzsche suggests that the convalescent lives without any love, but also without any hatred. The cooler convalescent, neither dead nor alive, floats above the earth. This seems to me to describe well the moments I'm sure we've all felt when we've been able to detach ourselves from the whole sorry show and begin to look at the season as if from a great height. As Bairns says, in this state, quote, everything is small, everything is flat, nothing matters. This is the mood equally of a scientist, sure ours is a world of valueless facts, and of those literary characters who float through the world from which they have been estranged and which they look on with a species of tender contempt. Unquote. I can certainly remember many years of my life spent in this period of cool convalescence, in which I've walked through shops and Christmas markets, through family and church gatherings, feeling utterly detached, looking on everything with no love nor any hatred, but instead with a species of tender contempt. One way of putting this is to say that I began to experience Advent and Christmas as if I were a detached, knowing, perhaps cynical historian, sociologist or anthropologist, scientist even. However, though it is absolutely necessary to pass through this period of cool convalescence, it is obvious that it can hardly bring full health because although there is sunlight to be seen, it's a kind of clear, enlightening light, it's the kind of light found only in the highest and coldest altitudes of detachment. After a while it becomes apparent that if we wish to continue convalescing, and not merely catch one's death of cold, we must come back to earth, where the sun warms. Here's how Nietzsche beautifully puts this return to earth inhuman, all too human. Quote, it again grows warmer around him, yellower, as it were. Feeling and feeling for others acquire depth. Warm breezes of all kinds blow across him. It seems to him as if his eyes are only now open to what is near. He is astonished and sits silent. Where had he been? These near and nearest things, how changed they seem, what bloom and magic they have acquired. Unquote. 
Coming back down to Earth in this second, warmer period of convalescence, it becomes possible for us to see and feel amidst the shops and Christmas markets and in family and church gathering spots of warming sunlight in which begin to appear the bloom and magic of things that are nearest, things that before had been obscured from our sight. Warmed in these occasional spots of sunlight, our eyes begin to open and we begin to see so many people near at hand trying their hardest to be good, kind, decent human beings, despite being cast adrift amidst the horrible pasteboard and filigree that makes up so much of our modern neoliberal world. And, lastly, it is these periods of convalescence which gift us with a genuine hope of, at some point, being able to enter into, for, the final great health, in which, as Behrens says, the, quote, spirit freed from the tradition that seeks metaphysical comforts is surprised by a new happiness and a new love for all that is delicate. The great health is a life attuned to what is near. Unquote. This attitude is most clearly expressed in the epigraph by one of our own Unitarian tradition's great figures, Ralph Waldo Emerson, that Nietzsche chose to grace the first edition of his Gay Science. Emerson wrote, quote, To the poet, to the philosopher, to the saint, all things are friendly and sacred, all events profitable, all days holy, all men divine. Unquote. So, to draw to a close, I can now turn to the traditional Christian focus of the Advent and Christmas season, namely the Christ child, the baby Jesus. From the foregoing, I hope you can see that for Nietzsche, the great health can only come after we have gone through and slowly recovered and convalesced from the sickness of nihilism. At that point, we are finally able to accept the value of this world, the earth, of the little things that are nearest to us, and to begin to live as neighbour precisely to the things that the metaphysical tradition only found valuable as indicators of another metaphysical world. But, alas, most of us are aware that the Christ child spoken of in orthodox believing Christian circles remains firmly an indicator of another metaphysical world. And this means that a genuine free spirit cannot, with a truly clean heart and full belief or pathos, celebrate Advent and Christmas in these circles. The Christmas carol service and the traditional services held at midnight on Christmas Eve and on Christmas morn, undeniably beautiful though they often are, remain for many of us highly conflicted and deeply uncomfortable events. But all is not lost for the aspiring Nietzschean free spirit, because, thanks to their sickness and their consequent cool and then warm kinds of convalescence, they can now begin to see that the answers to the meaning of life that traditional Christianity has sought for two millennia in another world and its supernatural Christ child are in truth only to be found in the bloom and magic of the things near and nearest to us in this world, 
most notably and memorably, in every newborn human child. It is precisely this insight that inspired the 20th century Unitarian minister and hymn writer, John Andrew Storey, to write a hymn we often sing in our churches during this season. It is called the Universal Incarnation. It goes as follows. Around the crib all peoples throng in honour of the Christ's child's birth and raise again the ancient song, goodwill to all and peace on earth. But not alone on Christmas morn was God made one with humankind. Each time a girl or boy is born, incarnate deity we find. This Christmas tide let us rejoice and celebrate our human worth, proclaiming with united voice the miracle of every birth. Round every crib all people throng to honour God in each new birth and raise again the ancient song, goodwill to all and peace on earth. Today I find I cannot sing this carol without noticing how it brings me exactly the kind of feelings Nietzsche describes in Human, All Too Human. Everything grows warmer around me, yellower as it were. Feeling and feeling for others acquire depth. Warm breezes of all kinds blow across me. It seems to me as if my eyes are only now open to what is near. I am astonished and sit silent. Where had I been? These near and nearest things, how changed they seem. What bloom and magic they have acquired. And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Making Footprints, Not Blueprints podcast. So, farewell for now, and remember, tomorrow a new walk is a new walk. See you on the path. Thank you again for listening to the Making Footprints, Not Blueprints podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and each new podcast will arrive on your device as soon as it is released. Also, if you'd like to continue in the conversation, please come along to our live online discussions which take place every other Wednesday evening at 7.30pm GMT. Anyone is invited to ask questions or make comments on the issues discussed in the podcast. You can find the link to join the Zoom meeting in the episode notes. We look forward to talking with you then.